we're probably winding down on the study of Matthew 24 to a certain degree. I'm sure it'll be in the future studies. I, uh, I, I want you to pray for me. I'm a little bit torn where to move to next. Um, I have uh, two or three things in my mind. Uh, I, we're doing a study in our local fellowship of Galatians. Uh, also, I have in my heart real strong glory to glory. And I have uh, coming in clouds. And coming in clouds would be just a continuation of what we're doing. It would just be a more in-depth look at cloud comings. And we may do that for a few weeks, just uh, gather up some things in clouds. But just pray for me uh, with direction. I have a whole lot in my mind, and I need to be able to uh, sit before the Lord. I, I said this a few weeks ago, I felt like God just took a massive amount of of information as far as information goes and just went boom there you go and the and the thing that has to happen in me is 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 just being worked out uh i was talking to somebody maybe brother dell and i said it could you know the way i feel it could take a year to work this out or longer because it, it's in the seeing and the knowing of the Lord Jesus. Everything we really know, we may, we may see by the scripture, the truth, our true things. But Jesus said of himself that he is the truth. So the truth is not just true things. It's the person of truth made known. In, in all of these areas. And it's, and it's like a scripture we, we quote a lot of his fullness we have received. Well, his fullness is, is, is as expansive or more expansive than the universe. I believe, I believe the reason the universe is so expansive and the, and the, the ocean's so deep is it's speaking of the fullness of the Lord, the glory of the Lord. When we try to, to rationalize it down into a small place where we can just get a hold of and say we, we got it all and we know it, uh, I'm afraid that just doesn't work, that God just expands himself, shows himself in a, in a fuller measure than we've seen before, and we see that fuller measure, and then our hearts come to realize again that there's a greater seeing of the Lord, a greater knowing of the Lord, a greater walk in the Lord than what we're experiencing. And that's the beauty of the Lord is, is you can't exhaust the Lord. And Sunday, uh, the Lord brought some things to my mind uh, that I probably had never really considered because I'm always wanting to advance what we're saying. And what came to my mind on Sunday was... Sometimes if we eat something real good like a steak, you like it again and again and again. And with God, you, you continually eat of him. See, see the, the condition of the church that we see out here today, the reason it's in the condition it's in, is Jesus told us, eat my flesh and drink my blood and my life will be here. 
And so, so the condition that we see is, is probably a lack of diet, a bad diet of what we're eating. Now, in the natural, if we eat a bad diet, we know what it affects. It can affect everything. So in Christ, if we eat a bad diet, it probably has uh, a lot of effect to us of how we're walking in the Lord, of how we're continuing in the Lord. And then the other, the other thing, if we don't eat every day, what does it do in the natural? If I decide to take a day off of eating, I get very cantankerous. I like to eat. So you, so you put me on a, a day or two with no eating. And, and uh, you, you know, I, I mentioned this Sunday that an athlete, the greatest athletes out here, if you take them, and you take away their food, what happens to them? What, what happens to their performance? It doesn't work real well. And I think sometimes the, the lack of eating is an issue in the church. What they're eating, what we are eating, not they because we're part of it, what we eat, and the lack of eating. And Brother Jimmy was talking about being highly favored before the Lord and really, really knowing that, really knowing the favor of God that's in Christ, that's, that's bestowed upon us in Christ. And, and to know that, we have to know him. See, we have to know him to know that. We have to know him in that measure. That measure of him has to be measured out in our hearts. And the way it's measured out in our hearts is, is through receiving. We, we have to become to a place of continuous receiving of the Lord, that we're continually receiving him. Not a one-time event, but that we get saved and we've got it and we're just waiting to die and go to heaven. It's this continual relationship of God filling us with himself, of Christ being made known. And, and the reason we, we eat it again is to, is to really get a hold of it, you, you know, for it to fill you up. So we eat of some things over and over again because God's working to fill, fill us up, and we're trying to hold on things. I know Dell and I have talked about that, trying to hold on to things that God has, has said to us, shown us, revealed, and Maybe it's as simple as we just need to come back and eat it again and again and again and again. So it, it fills us up. So we're, so we're in this study, the coming of the uh, Son of Man, when the Son of Man shall come in glory out of Matthew 24. And, and when we started this study, we started looking at the Son of Man in glory. And, and one of the questions I ask is, why not the Son of God? And over the last four or five weeks, I believe we, we've answered at least part of that. Why he didn't just say the Son of God coming in glory? Because part of the mystery of this Son of Man is, is he is the Son of God. That's in Matthew 16, where Jesus declared that, or Peter did. He said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. When Jesus had asked him, whom do men say, I, the son of man am. Now in the gospels, Jesus referred to himself 
I believe I read 70, I think it was 78 times, 70 sometimes as son of man. And a thought I had that when we get over into the epistles, we all, or I have, and maybe you haven't, I've always assumed it's always referring to him as son of God when it says son. <laughs> I've never considered the other. Because only when it's just called out, like uh, in the book of Revelation chapter 1, that there's one in the midst like the Son of Man. And, and that whole mindset of Son of Man, I know we have, have put, or I have in my mind for years, just as the Adamic man. And I never saw the power of this Son of Man in glory and what answers to this Son of Man and glory? And why this Son of Man had to come to glory? Never saw that, and I'm still seeing it. Because that's the answer to the new creation. That's the answer to the new man. That's the answer to the first man is of the earth earthy. The second man is the Lord from heaven. That's the creation you and I are in him and what else is the answer to is why the coming the coming of the lord in clouds in in daniel which we've read for several weeks in in the book of daniel he daniel 7 13 14 says in a later vision, Daniel actually foresaw, well, I, I'm reading the note, I'm sorry. I kept looking in the night visions, and behold, with the clouds of heaven, one like a son of man was coming. And he came to the Ancient of Days. Now notice where he came. He came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him, and to him was given dominion, glory, and a kingdom that all people's nation, men, and every language might serve him. This son of man in glory. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away, and his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed. All people's nations and tongues. Now, if you start thinking on this, where has the gospel not went today? Where is it not at? Where can you go on this globe in the natural and not find Christianity in some measure? Probably nowhere. So all people, nations, and tongues, there's a, there's a people of every tongue, I believe, that know the Lord right now. And have known the Lord right now. Now, now, what's interesting, after Jesus is raised from the dead in Matthew, and we're going, we're going to turn again to Revelation chapter 5 for a little bit, but in Matthew 28, if I go to Matthew 28, he tells them to go into what? All nations. Look at it real close. In, in verse 18, it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given to me in heaven and earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the world. All authority is given to me. So, so he has all authority. And, and many times we, we consider others with authority. He has all authority in terms of the kingdom of God. So, so that, to me, speaks a mouthful. So the authority of the old priesthood's over. The authority of, of the old system's done. So up until John, the law and the prophets were under John. After that, the kingdom of God is declared. And Jesus declares of himself, he says, all authority is given to me. So the authority of, of salvation, if Christians got a hold of this, what he says here, the authority of salvation is not based upon doing of the law anymore. All authority is given to me. I would have liked to have heard this by the Spirit of God 20-some years ago, 30 years, whatever it's been, 20-some. All authority. Because for many years, even after I was seeing the revelation of Christ, I was trying to measure my salvation by the law. Trying to walk by the law to show myself perfect to God. When all authority is given in. So he has the authority in him to execute righteousness. Yeah. That's what he, it's in him. So, so if, I, if I comprehend that, I'm not going to look anywhere else. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. I'm going to turn my heart there to look at him as the completion of all things. To understand all things in him. That's where I'm going to turn my heart. Because all authority. And then I'm going to hear the commission. Go ye therefore. Because <laughs> we hear his commission. Go. You know he spoke to his, his disciples there. But I believe he's speaking to all of us. Go ye therefore. And. And sometimes we, we say we don't see it like we used to. We don't see people getting saved. We don't see this. What well, are you going there for? You, me, are we going there for? Declaring him to the nations. Are we declaring his kingdom to the nations? Do we believe his kingdom is here? Because that's what this thing in Daniel is about. He receives a kingdom and glory. He's, he's brought to the ancient of days and he receives power. And, and that's what Paul is declaring in his epistles and Peter and, and the apostles that he's seated at the right hand of God and he's coming in power. That's what this means is what Daniel sees here that this one has been brought up to the throne of God. 
And so when you call him Lord Jesus, no man can say Jesus is Lord, but by the Spirit. You're exalting him into the place that he is. You're out of your heart. You're Lord Jesus. He's the Lord of glory. So we, we see that he's in a place like no other. That's why all this came upon Israel, because he was exalted and they wouldn't receive the Lord. So destruction comes into their midst at his coming. Now, now to, to back this up, I, I will have to probably pull some things out. Some people may say, whoa, wait a minute, Wayne. Well, let's, let's consider this. In the old covenant, God's cloud represented what? First and foremost, it represented the presence of God. The cloud was God's presence represented in the earth. God came down on Sinai in a cloud. God, and we looked at this some weeks or months ago, God filled the tabernacle in a cloud. God filled the temple in a cloud. So that's God's presence. Okay? And, I, and a part of God's presence is what? Is the life, the salvation, the glory. To me, that's what he is. Life, salvation, and glory. What, 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 what was he to Egypt? Same God, same presence, same cloud. And we've, we've said this, so when the Israelites came out of Egyptian bondage and were coming to the Red Sea, and that cloud is positioned there, the presence of God, what was that same God to the Egyptian that wasn't receiving? That's a question we may have to answer. So when he come with clouds to the to Israel there, what happened? You had a judgment of life unto life. Those that received him, he was life. And those that didn't receive him was death unto death. In the closing out of that old system, that was that was evident there with the destruction and so forth. Did the destruction that come upon Israel, did it? Come through the Lord. Did the Lord declare it? Did he tell them this was going to come upon you? So, so this God of comfort, see, this God of comfort that we receive, he brings us that receive him into his death. And he brings us into his life. He brings us into his glory. And, and there's a measure here that just for a moment, consider when you were lost and undone in sin. We don't talk much about being lost and undone in sin anymore. But I just said it, so, oh, well. What, what did the presence of God do to you? Did it convict you? Did it make you known, prick your heart? 
that you were minus the Lord. It did me. The presence of God allowed me to understand that I didn't have him and that I was rejecting him. Have you ever been in that place where you're rejecting God and you know you're rejecting God because of his presence? I have. Now, now we've moved into to the grace movement, a lot of us, and we don't talk about it much, but, but the presence of God is, is a convictor of the heart. Because he, he's telling the heart that you need me. You need me. Because if you don't have God, if we, ain't, if we ain't at least starting there, you don't have life. In him's life. And the life is the light of men. So if I don't have him, I don't have life or light. Because the life is the light of men. But sometimes we, we've, I, I, I said this years ago, people would say, well, they should know better. No, they don't have light. They don't have light because the, the life is the light. So this great life of God, this divine life, this cloud, this glory of God entered us. Did enter an Old Testament temple. I, I love that in the book of Acts. The, the glory cloud, the Holy Ghost come as a rushing mighty wind. As what Ezekiel I believe what Ezekiel sees there in Ezekiel, a cloud unfolding itself, a wind storm coming. And on the day of Pentecost here, that cloud comes and it fills the house. And it brings judgment into the house it fills. Now it brought judgment upon the whole earth, but it brought judgment into the house. That's why they begin to declare that they're dead with him. They begin to declare that they're alive with God. They begin to declare the fulfillment of Christ because the glory of God had come and indwelt them. Yes. The house of God was judged by his presence. So, so what Jesus had done at the cross became judgment to them. That's, that's what happened when the Holy Ghost come. What he had done in his death become judgment. How could Paul declare what he declared if it didn't happen that way? How could he say, I am crucified to the world? He couldn't. Because the divine presence came as judgment unto him. And the world is crucified to me. Now to comprehend that statement. That we live unto him as a new man. To comprehend that, to, to receive it in the heart and know it. Know it in our being, in our soul that we would know that. Well, how do I know that? By knowing him. It's the only way I know it. 
So he comes to us to know. That's why he comes. That you might know, Jesus says, the only true God, to know. This is eternal life or life eternal that you might know. So he comes in the rushing mighty wind, not just a wind, but a wind unlike any other wind, a breath unlike any other breath. And that wind, that breath, spirit of life enters into you. To know him. And carrying with that wind and breath is one like the Son of Man. You ever seen that in your Bible? Go, go with me to Ezekiel 1. Ezekiel chapter 1. Verse 4, I'm reading now the American Standard Version. Verse 4, it says, And I looked, and behold, a stormy wind came out of the north, a great cloud and with a fire enfolding itself, and a brightness round about it, and amidst thereof, as it were, glowing metal out of the midst of the fire. And out of the midst thereof, came the likeness of four living creatures. And this was their appearance. They had the likeness of a man. My Lord, can you hear Revelation chapter 1? There are seven golden candlesticks, and in the midst is one man. Hear this. Their appearance was like unto a man. I ain't going to read this whole chapter, but if I come down near the end of this chapter, it says in verse 25, and there was a voice above the firmament that was over their heads. When they stood, they let down their wings, and above the firmament that was over their heads was the likeness of a throne as the appearance of a sapphire stone. And upon the likeness of the throne was as the appearance of a man upon it above. And I saw, as it were, glowing metal, as the appearance of fire within round about from the appearance of his loins and upward. Our God is a consuming fire. And from the appearance of his loins and downward, I saw, as it were, the appearance of fire. And there was brightness round about him as the appearance of the bow that is in the cloud in the day of rain. So was the appearance of the brightness round about. This was the appearance of the likeness of the glory of Jehovah. And when I saw it, I fell upon my face and I heard a voice of one that spake. So here in the cloud, is a man, but not unlike any man I believe that Ezekiel had ever seen. Huh. 
don't know that any of us have ever seen a man with fire from his loins down and fire from his loins up. Waist down and waist up, this man is a fire and he's like gleaming metal. And in the book of Revelation, you get, a, I believe, a better description of this man. His feet are as burning brass, gleaming metal, the brazen altar, the altar of sacrifice, the judgment of the Lord are in his feet. His eyes are flaming fire, his hair white as wool. So you get a picture of a man that's in the throne. And this man that's in the throne has been raised out from the dead. And these cherubim of glory, what do they do if you read about them? They go wherever the Spirit takes them. What does Paul write of the, of the sons of God? They are they that are what? Led by the Spirit of God. They go wherever the Spirit takes them. To me, this cherubims of glory is speaking of the new creation that's in Christ. That's to me. Maybe, maybe I have it wrong, but that's to me. That's what they're declaring. They're going wherever the Lamb goes. They're going wherever the Spirit goes. And they're living in His judgment. And see, that's I believe that's his cloud coming. He comes in clouds and, and he begins to define the new creation to you and I. And I know what he did to old Israel. Old Israel went away, but what he does coming in the clouds to us is he becomes our salvation and he begins to define the new creation. And I believe the cloud coming of the Lord started on the day of Pentecost, not in 70 AD. A lot of people say, well, that's just 70 AD. No. I believe he, he began to come in the clouds in, in a people there on the day of Pentecost to indwell his house, just like he had done in the old. But it was no longer a type and shadow that he was going to indwell. He was indwelling the people. And then the manifestation of what he had done come upon the earth. The old was taken away. It was done away at the cross. There was no more sacrifice for sins that was going to cleanse the flesh because the one final sacrifice was offered at the cross. And that coming in you, you begin to see there's only one final sacrifice. And you see you begin to see by the Spirit the power of the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus. You know, there are folks now that don't believe they need His sacrifice. That's derangement. That's, that's scary. That's a lie. If you want to know what lies are, whenever you begin to denounce the cross of Christ, I believe you're right in the lie. The cross is salvation, delivering you out of old and bringing you into the new. And as he comes and is revealed in us, we see this. We see this. 
But to get a full picture of him coming in clouds, we have to go back and study the Bible and then see the judgment of the Lord that's being declared. I mean, it's over and over again in the Old Testament, the cloud coming would come in judgment. Judgment to Egypt. Judgment to, I believe, Edom. Judgment would come. The flesh would be cut off over and over again. The seed would be preserved over and over again. So God is speaking about the cloud coming over and over again. So when Jesus says, the Son of Man, you should see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of glory. What, what Christians have done with that? Because they've not even read the Scripture and seen that all through the Old Testament, God came in clouds. And they've not associated that to Christ now coming as the one that's glorified, the one coming with judgment, the one coming with healing in his wings. That it all now is in Christ. You know, the, the little thing Jesus says, as you've honored the Father, so honor me. <laughs> you, you know, he says that, I believe it's in John 14. So, so here we have him coming in clouds. And in this, he has dominion. There's a couple things I wanted to say tonight, and I've gotten wound up and I haven't even got to them. But I'm going to read a couple things in uh, Philippians 2. Philippians 2 says, verse 1, go to Philippians 2, verse 1. And at the bottom of it, I said, here is the Son of Man, found in fashion as a man. Verse 1 says, if there is therefore any exhortation in Christ, if any consolation of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any tender mercies and compassions, make full my joy that you be of the same mind, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind, doing nothing through faction or through vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, each counting other better than himself, not looking each of you to his own things, but each of you to the things of others. Have this mind in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who existing in the form of God, Counted not the being on an equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being made in the likeness of men. To me, that's him coming as the son of man. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself, becoming obedient even unto death, yea, the death of the cross. Wherefore, because he humbled himself, because he was obedient, because he did always that that pleases the Father. Wherefore also God highly exalted him. There's Daniel's prophecy, the Son of Man in glory, exalted him and gave him the name, which is above every name, that in the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things on earth and things under the earth. 
and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Every tongue confess. Now, you ask me what that looks like. I don't know that I can tell you what it looks like. Every knee. But I'll tell you this from authority. Kind of like Brother Jimmy was talking about before service of, of uh, being the blessed of the Lord, the authority of the Lord. He's Lord. So often, I don't know that we get a hold of this. He's been exalted. So what he established is true. Whether you and I get a hold of it or not, it's true because he's the Lord. So, so where we were talking a little bit, I believe last week, Ephesians 2, he hath reconciled us. The two, the twain, the Jew, the Gentile, reconciled us in the body of his death. Putting away the Jew and the Gentile. Putting away the division. And bringing the unity in himself. Making in himself one new man. That's what it reads in Ephesians 2. So making peace. And if the church comprehended that, Christ made in himself one new man. To me, like I said, there's the son of man in glory. A new man. A new man who's at peace with God. A new man filled with the glory of God. Not a man that fell short of the glory of God. Not a man that wasn't obedient, but now Christ's obedience is given to us. Christ's victory is given to us. Christ's perfection is given to us. We're recipients of him. That's what we are. We're receiving. Hear, hear that. We, we talk about that. We receive him. What does that mean? You receive him. You receive his victory. You receive his justice. You receive his mercy. His glory. Why? Because you deserved it? No. Because you received him. As many as received him, gave he the right to become sons of God. So it's always the receiving. God, help me stay in a place of receiving and seeing you as the exalted one. All of his fullness we have received. 
We could just go through all the scripture that speaks of receiving, but it's because he's Lord that this is true. He's glorified. He's glorified. Now's the time that the Son of Man would be glorified, Jesus says, I believe in John 13. Now is the time. Where's he going to be glorified? He's going to the cross. He's going to death. That he would be raised from the dead by the Father, be raised out from the dead. Why did he do that? To bring many sons to glory. To bring many into this relationship. That's why he did that. He being the form of God was already glory. He being the form of God was already filled with the substance and the goodness of God. But here we were. Here we were. And I know I hear a voice saying we were just like Jesus. We just didn't know it. But I, I, I don't believe that. I'm just being bold. I don't believe that. Plain. I don't believe it. I've seen myself. I've seen how ugly I am. Okay. Now, the beauty is I've also seen, at least in a measure, the Lord and how great He is. And the beauty is I believe He's bestowing and giving and working that into my heart, our hearts, to transform us into the same divine nature that we're his very own body, we're his, whatever you, you, however we word it, we're his increase in the earth. I believe that. But by ourselves, honey, I don't believe we're good for nothing. I think we're like Apostle Paul said, uh, my, my goodness is his filthy rags. And if you separate me out of the vine, I'm nothing. I hear people declaring what they are and I'm, folks, it bothers me. I'm just, just being honest with you. I'm, I'm not interested in hearing what they are. I'm interested in seeing him. That's what I'm interested in, knowing him. Because if they're, if they're just like me, man, I've seen what I am without the Lord. And I don't like it. And I thank the Lord that he brought me to death. I mean, you may say, Brother Wayne, that's craziness. No, I thank the Lord because I want every fragment of my mind to die, to be put away. I don't want it. I reckon it. There, there was something I really saw, and I'm going to stop here. I had some other scripture. I, you can go read Revelation chapter 5. I had all my intention. Maybe we'll be one more week. We'll see, because I had all intentions to really go through it. I know we read it several times, but in Philippians, you know, Paul says, reckon yourselves dead in Romans 6. Read real close what he says in Philippians chapter 3. I want you to do this, and we'll close here. But 
take that in mind. Romans 6, reckon yourselves dead, and now go to Philippians 3. Paul, Paul goes and says in verse 7, how be it? What things were gained to me, these I've counted lost. Look, watch him reckon himself dead. <laughs> all, all these things up here at the top, he's talking about. He's of the stock of Israel, circumcised the eighth day, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of a Hebrew, as touching law of Pharisee, touching the zeal, persecuting the church, as touching righteousness, which is in the law, found blameless. Howbeit what things were gained to me, these I have reckoned dead. <laughs> Yea, verily, I count or reckon all things dead. Reckon yourselves dead. See what Paul's reckoning dead? I'm a Pharisee. I'm an Israelite. I'm reckoning it dead for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things. I reckon them all dead. <laughs> and I do count them but refuse, refuse, that I might gain Christ. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of mine own, even that which is of the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which is from God by faith. That I may know him in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed unto his death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection from the dead. I reckon it lost. There, there's Paul reckoning himself dead in the scripture. I was reading that Sunday in the fellowship, and I was like, oh, my Lord. He's reckoning himself dead. He's counting it lost. That's what he told him in Romans 6, reckon yourselves dead. And here he is. I was a Pharisee of the Pharisees, dead. I was a Jew of the Jews. Dead. As of the tribe of Benjamin. Dead. I count it all lost. For the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord. Amen. Well, Father, we thank you tonight for this opportunity to come and share your word and your life and your spirit with one another. And God, for this glorious people, this beautiful people, this kingdom of priests that is here gathered together as one in you, one new man, this priesthood, this royal priesthood that's here, here in our midst, that, that's ministering you, Lord, that's taking your bread and offering it to all those in the earth. I thank you for them in the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Go ahead, Brother Marcus. Amen. Well, once again, thank you, Brother Wayne.